Interesting questions. Holy Spirit is always something that creates um, conversations of not controversy in churches. Um, so I want to start by saying happy birthday. And you're sitting there going, it's not my birthday. Maybe it is. Is there anyone birthday? No, okay. Well, happy birthday anyway. Because today is the birthday of the church. Not the building. Not hope. But the church of Jesus Christ. Pentecost Sunday was the day that it started. Pentecost Sunday was the day it was born. Um, Pentecost, I used to think, was only because we call the Pentecost Sunday because of something that happened and, and because we're Christians and Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came and even when I was a kid in school I heard the story of the tongues of flame and all that. Never made any sense to me whatsoever. But I thought that's why we call it Pentecost only to discover that that's not why we call it Pentecost. It was actually a Jewish feast and it just happened to happen on that day. Um, it's the 50th day after Passover, which is also the same weekend that Jesus was crucified. It's a feast day, a Jewish feast day, so the Jews are celebrating Pentecost as well this weekend. And they call it the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of Harvest. Um, not that that really means an awful lot to us, to be honest. But it is the day that without, we wouldn't be here. It's as simple as that. If the Holy Spirit hadn't have come that day and started this, and we are part of something that's so much bigger than what we're sitting in today. We're, we're, we're part of a church that's not about being an institution. That's not about being a place. It's about being people who are called out of the world into a relationship with God. It's about being that group and who are called the Ecclesia, who are the church. So it was on this day, over 2,000 years ago, that the church was born. And it was born in a blaze of glory, in a blaze of fire. And, and, and that video really challenges me because I, I hear the guy saying, like, people were healed because the shadow of some of these guys fell on them. They saw people raised from the dead. Peter went out on the day of Pentecost after being hiding in a bedroom. It was like as if something happened and we're all hiding in a bedroom upstairs. And we're hiding from everybody because we're so scared that we don't want to see because we're afraid they're going to kill us as well. And then something happens and suddenly I'm brave enough to be out on my road screaming and people, 3,000 people get saved. And 3,000 people join the church that day and make a commitment to follow Jesus who only 50 days before they had seen crucified. I'm wondering where that, where that fire and that glory is right now. Because I think sometimes it seems like as average Christians and an average church, we're kind of stuck somewhere sometimes. Kind of bogged down somewhere between Calvary and Pentecost. Somewhere between what Jesus did for us and somewhere between what the Holy Spirit wants to do. See, I think lots of people have been to Calvary. There's lots of people like, we all need forgiveness. Even if you don't believe in God, we need forgiveness. Because without forgiveness, we just eat ourselves up on the inside. If, if you never had a relationship with God, if you never wanted to have a relationship with God, you still need forgiveness in your life, even if it's only that you need other people to forgive you. Because there isn't anything worse than feeling unforgiven. Do you ever go to somebody and ask them to forgive you and they say no? It's awful. 
It just rips you apart on the inside and it kills you. It's like a cancer. So we all need forgiveness and that's what Calvary gives us. It's not very hard to convince people they need forgiveness. But to convince them they need to go to Pentecost for the power it can be a different thing. And we've all heard, like I've certainly said it even, it's hard to get good help nowadays. But we have the most amazing help available to us in the Holy Spirit. Absolutely amazing help. We can have the Holy Spirit that kind of resides. He lives in us. Absolutely just will live in us. I was thinking, if, if, if you break it down and go back a little bit, we, we had Christmas. I know that was a while ago. It probably seems like ten lifetimes ago at this stage. Although it was actually only four and a half months ago. But the whole Christmas in Bethlehem story is about God is with us. And then we have the Calvary story of Easter. And that's God is for us. But today, we get to celebrate Pentecost and the tongues of fire story. And that's God is in us. And that's very different. There was a guy called D.L. Moody. He was a fairly famous evangelist and preacher back in the the late 1890s. You can't say the last century anymore because it was two centuries ago now. That's weird. But anyway, back in the 1890s. And, and he said this. He said, you may as well try to hear without ears or breathe without lungs as try to live a Christian life without the Spirit of God in you. You're just not going to do it. And, and I think there's lots of people today. There's a story in Acts 19 where Paul meets these people in Ephesus, and he says to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they go, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. And you've got to think, they were coming from a place where they believed in one God. They were Jewish. They still didn't even believe Jesus. They didn't believe in the Trinity the way we, as Western, brought up in a Christian thing, and even if you're not sure about God, you've heard since you were a kid when you were going to school, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, or the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, or whatever words it may be. We have this kind of acceptance of the three. They didn't have it. But I meet so many people who go, yeah, kind of struggle with God, but yeah, okay, I can accept that. And then they go down the road of, of maybe accepting Jesus and, and having that relationship with him and accepting that they might need needed forgiveness and going to the idea of Calvary and getting forgiveness but then the idea of having another one to deal with as well, the Holy Spirit, can be a bit, a bit over the top. And I think for the Ephesians, it might have been a little bit like that. We didn't even know there was one. And what, what's it got to do with me anyway? And I think a lot of that is because we don't understand what the Holy Spirit's role is in our lives. And we haven't experienced the power of it. I think some of the dangers that we can face as Christians is that we can be either getting too far on good teaching, which, let's face it, is available 24-7 now. There was a time you could only just go to church and hear someone preaching. And when we started going to church, we used to get the tapes because Amazon Sunday school, we bring it home, we listen to the tape over and over again. But you couldn't get any other tapes or you'd buy books or whatever. Now, with the internet, it's 24-7. You can listen to people from all over the world and just sit and just keep feeding and feeding and feeding. And getting nowhere. Not doing anything to go out and change the world you're living in. Or, there's others, and the danger is that they get stuck just being babies. And they're, they're continuously just wanting milk and leagues, spiritual ones. 
but and and not growing up and not not moving out and not letting Jesus mature us or grow us up or or, or getting an opportunity to just go and be who we were destined to be. You were destined to be something amazing. You were created amazingly to be amazing. I love Rob has that phrase. He says, we were created on purpose, with purpose, for purpose. We weren't created just to drift through the bloody world. I think some of the dangers we face as a church, and I think we even face this in hope, because when I talk about this first, I was thinking, oh yeah, the big churches, the ones that are around years and, and all that kind of stuff. But we face this too, just as easy as they do if we don't stay focused on Jesus. The danger is that we can end up putting on programs and events and stuff trying to generate excitement and trying to generate people's interest and trying to get people to catch fire for God when what we really need is the Holy Spirit to set people on fire. And that's the reality of it, because we can't set people on fire. And I said it last week, if we're meeting here, and this is just me coming in with some good ideas and a bit of motivation, we're wasting our time, we should be out having a barbecue somewhere. It's a waste. If this isn't God, if this isn't real, if the Holy Spirit isn't in this room doing something in each and every one of us, then we really are just wasting our time. What we need to see more than anything else is a church of people that are born and up with the Holy Spirit, that are changing into the image of Jesus that are involved in their worlds and they're bringing light to dark places, that are bringing hope to hopelessness and love to emptiness. That's what this world needs. That's what we need. What we want today is the flame of Pentecost. What we want today is a, is a, is a, is a, is a, is a I don't know, stick a finger in the blood and get a 10,000 volt charge or something from Jesus. What we want is the real thing. And I don't mean Coca-Cola. I mean the spirit of the living God. See, that spirit is in us and he's breathing life into every one of us. There was a guy called um, Vance Haver who said, so many of us are so afraid of going out on the limb that we won't even climb a tree. We won't even go near the tree. We're not afraid of it. And, and here's the thing. We're around church life 27 years, since 1989. And we became Christians, and I know that phrase is alien to some people in the room, but we made a commitment to follow Jesus in a church that was Pentecostal. That was like wild. It was weird in lots of ways. Amazing in lots of ways, but weird in lots of ways. And I've seen so much abuse and misuse of what I would call the spirit of God, the spiritual gifts from God. Over them years, I've seen so many people who are just flamboyant or boisterous or loud or whatever doing things, and then they'd go, Oh, that was the spirit. And you're sitting there going, Oh, that was you. You're just mad. That wasn't God at all. And I've often thought God has to be up there going, That wasn't me. Why did they blame me? I had nothing to do with that. And I've seen things that people have done that have been most unusual. But I was absolutely. Spirit of God moving in situations. And you know it was amazing? It was mostly people who wouldn't up shouting and roaring about it. It was people who were just moving in the power of the Spirit. I loved a bit about Peter when he's walking down the street and the beggar says to him, can you give us a few bob? And he went, no, I haven't got any money, but I'll give you what I do had in Jesus' name, go up and be healed. And then he kept walking. There wasn't a big show about it. There wasn't a big, like, bring the lights and the cameras and watch what I'm doing. It was like, just walking in the Spirit of God.
just moving in the power of God. And I think what's happened, and I know it has happened to me, and it happened to me when we started hope, was I was afraid of the extremes. I was afraid of the charismaniacs, that's what I call them. The ones who are so far out there that they just scare people away. And I think to some degree, in many places, we've been in danger of throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Because the Spirit of God is real. And just because people mess it up doesn't mean the Spirit of God isn't still real. So somehow, as people, I think we need to be able to hang on to what is real. To what is God actually doing without allowing the extremists to push us away from it. So that's why I want to talk about Pentecost today. Not Pentecostalism. Not some holiness church stuff. Not some special belief. But a special promise. A special promise that was sent to us by Jesus himself. Pentecost. Because at Bethany, when Jesus was just about to leave the planet as a human being, as a risen human being, he said to his guys, I'm giving you a promise. I'm going to send you somebody. I'm going to send you power from an eye. You go and wait in Jerusalem. So here's the thing. Pentecost is not a denomination. Yes, we're, a denom- we're part of a denomination. As part of hope, we're part of the Assemblies of God. And that's technically called the Pentecostal denomination. But that's not what Pentecost is about. Pentecost is an encounter with Jesus. Pentecost is an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Pentecost is something that was bought for us by the blood of Jesus. See, we're privileged, I think, to live in a generation that God is actually pouring out with spirit in. It's fallen on, on religious grounds. It's fallen on atheistic ground. It's fallen all over the place. And it's preparing the people of the planet for a harvest for when Jesus comes back. And, and here's the thing. Whether we get to actually see Jesus come back before we die or we don't is immaterial. What's important is what's going to happen after this. Where do we go from here? That's what Jesus won for us on the cross. The Holy Spirit is about getting us ready for that journey. In Peter's sermon in Acts, in Acts 2, 38 to 39, it says this. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Here's the thing. The Holy Spirit came. They were all in the room. They had this thing of, as Shane said earlier, the wind and the sound and the tongues of fire and all that stuff. And I haven't got a notion what it looked like. And it doesn't really matter what it looked like to us. But it changed them. They went from being scared in a room, locked in a room together, scared, 120 of them. Wherever you have been scared on your own, it takes some fear to keep 120 people locked in a room afraid. Think about that for a minute. That's like probably three times what's here this morning. All in a room, scared. I'm not so scared when I'm with a gang. As I am when I'm on my own. Maybe I'm the only one. 
But when that happened, he went down and spoke to 3,000 people. And that's what he said to them. And his first words were to them, you're all wrong, repent. Now, repent just means turn around. It's a real religious word. But it's like, you're wrong, saps. Change. From somebody who's had to been hiding in a room a few minutes beforehand. Something dramatic had to happen here. That's not like just getting a can of Red Bull and thinking I'm going for this. And here's the thing, when that spirit came and that outpouring happened, that wasn't just a special thing for them. It wasn't just for one time and one place and for one group of people. Because what he said is, it's for everyone. It's a promise for you and your children and for everyone else. Anybody who's accepted that they need Jesus and gone down the road of walking with Jesus, here's the promise. This is here for you if you want it. The promise is for you and for your children and for all that the Lord our God will call. What a gift. What a promise. I was trying to think of words you could say. Amazing. Awesome. Unbelievable. A friend of ours is doing a weekend this weekend. He had it's going to be epic and went, okay, I'll use epic. Yeah, epic is great. The bomb, wherever it is. So here's the thing. The real question is not whether as a Christian you have a right to the gift of the Holy Spirit. You do. Kids are having good fun. But whether you have claimed that gift. It's like we came in here during the week and we had one of those little green slips from the from on post. They obviously had some parcel. It was actually for Shane. It wasn't for us. But, um, but it, was, it was in the post box. Now there is a gift. God only knows what it is. But there's something in the post office waiting on him. Now he could die and that could be still in the post office. Or he can go up with the slip and claim it. I can't claim it. Only he can claim it. He has to bring ID. He has to prove it's his. There is a gift of a Holy Spirit with your name on it. And you're the only one that can claim it. Because you're the only one who has to live your life. Walk with the people you walk with. Talk with the people you talk with. Have the family that you have, whether they're good, bad, or indifferent. So what you need is unique, and what God has for you is unique for your situation. The promise is for you. That doesn't sound good. There's lots of people have allowed themselves not to go for this. For loads of reasons. For tradition, for fear for whatever but there is a promise of power for your life if you want it and Peter said the promise is for you it's to all all who heard his voice to your children and to all that are far off and I was wondering like far off what what the hell does that mean doesn't that mean that they're just far away from wherever they were or does it also include that for loads of time to come, this promises for them too. Like we're centuries, millennia after that happens. But that promise is still alive and well for you and me. Anyone who calls on Jesus, anybody who's going to get, anybody who's going to give their life to Jesus, anyone who's going to surrender the life they've got and swap it for the life that Jesus wants to give them, this promise is there for them. 
We're going to be brought into the body of Christ when we get saved. But we're going to get filled with the Spirit of God when you have a Pentecost experience. So the promise that God made was that he was going to pour out his Spirit on all flesh. Again, all flesh. Great phrase. What does it bloody mean? It means everyone. It just means people. It means all the people you can think of. And on the day of Pentecost, the crowd were amazed because of the miracle of tongues. And the guy in the video mentioned tongues. And tongues can be something that you believe in or not believe in. It doesn't really matter. There are many people who think that it just meant that they were able to speak foreign languages. And other people who believe it meant that they can speak in tongues of angels. And you too, we even had a song about that. But we can, we can have a chat about that some other day if you want to. But here's the thing. Here's what the crowd were saying. What is going on? What's that happening? Something's happened. Are these guys buckled? Are they hammered? Like, is, are they drunk? And Peter's going, no, it's just nine o'clock in the morning. How could they be? Well, they could have been, I suppose. I've met a few people drunk at nine o'clock in the morning. But anyway, he's going, no, they're not drunk. Peter said, no, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. This is Acts 2, 16 to 18. In the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit on all people. And your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy. Your young men will see vision and your old men will dream dreams. I just like to say, I'm still seeing vision. I'm not getting the dreams just yet. Okay? I'm working on it, but I'm not there just yet. Jesus, after the resurrection, was with the disciples. And he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And when he did, what happened? They got the Holy Spirit. They received it. But there was something bigger was to happen. Something greater, something else. So he told them, stay in Jerusalem until it happens. And what's going to happen? Until you receive power from on high. So here's my question for you today. What in your life do you need power for? What do you need power for? What part of your life can you not manage? What part of your relationships are driving you nuts? What part of your personality keeps getting you into trouble? What part of your nature, your addictive nature, or your this nature, or your that nature, your hot temper, whatever, keeps getting you into trouble? What do you need power for? Because I want to say, I don't think any of us don't need power for something. To write, none of us got all our stuff together. God said this, while staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you've heard from me. John baptized you with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Jesus breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Yet he ordered them to wait until they got the power from on high. Because they were going to have a different encounter with the Holy Spirit. And it's not some intangible, mystical experience that just kind of automatically happens. Because in Luke, Jesus shared this promise. He said, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? It's given to those who ask him. D.M. Moody, the guy I was quoting earlier around, once said that the reason he urges people to be constantly filled with the Holy Spirit is because we leak. We're like buckets with holes. We leak. We never hold it all in. We just can't. We meet off of someone and they bounce off us and we get a bit of a scratch and we leak. And then if you keep leaking, by the end of the week, you want to kill someone. 
So right now, Jesus left in you. It's like, yeah, you got all of that stuff. Now I'm just going to kid you. All you're getting is Brian. It ain't good. We need to be filled up. We need that power. I need that power. I need that power every day. I wake up most mornings, and a lot of mornings, I just don't want to face the day. But it's only the power of God that, that gets me there. I know we're nearly out of time. I only have 10 pages of notes to go. We'll get there, I promise. I'm praying for power for you to keep listening. Okay. So Jesus breathed on the disciples and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Okay. Ten days after he ascended into heaven, the promise happens. And the ones who did what they were told, and the ones who went and waited, they got filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And Peter declared it in Acts 2. He said, this is it. This is the fulfillment of the promise. This is what Joel said was going to happen. And here it is. Hundreds of years later. It says in the book of Acts that Mary, the mother of Jesus, the disciples, the other women, the other people, they all got it. Everyone that was in the room, it wasn't like, this is just for the lads and the girls. You was all wait over there, you're not getting it. And it wasn't like, well, okay, if you're over 50, you can have it. If you're under 50, you have to wait. Or if you have brown hair or green eyes, there was nothing. Whoever was in the room, they got it. Over and over and over again in, in, in Scripture, you hear it of it happening. And I'll give you a real quick flyover. Acts chapter 8. There was a revival in Samaria. A deacon preached. Loads believed. And they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's in Acts 8. Later after their baptism, the scriptures tell us the apostles came. Sorry, they, baptized. they got baptized in war. The apostles came, laid hands on them, and they got baptized in the Holy Spirit. In Acts 10, a guy called Cornelius sat and listened, and as Peter preached to him, the Holy Spirit fell on them all. Who had heard the word? In Acts 19, Paul found people in Ephesus, in Ephesus, we were talking about that earlier on, okay, who didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. So we laid hands on them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? What power do you need? It's available. Because the Holy Spirit is available. But are you, will you ask? He'll lead us. He'll bring us. There's a great story about this fellow. He was a guide in the desert. And he was supposed to be the best guide there ever was. But his trick was he had a homing pigeon with him. So when he got lost, he had a little string on the homing pigeon's foot and he'd throw the pigeon up in the air and whatever way he tried to fly, he'd pull him back, but that's the direction he'd go in. So he always got people home. And he became known as the dove man because the dove used to guide him home. The dove is used as a symbol for the Holy Spirit. If you look, walk into any Catholic church even where they have them big paintings, Agnes is up there, I always used to look, there was a dove coming down. It's used all over, universally, as a symbol for the Holy Spirit. Let him be a home pigeon. He'll bring you home. How much more will your Heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask? He'll give it to you to be filled, to overflow. He'll give it to you to transform you. He'll give it to you to change you, to conform you into the image of Christ. Will you allow him? to do it and if you will and if you will ask he will do it he never says no to people who ask him for stuff according to his will can't go wrong he said ask so you're asking so you're doing what he's telling you 
He said he wants to give it to you. So he either is a lawyer or he'll give it to you. And God's not a lawyer. And here's what he'll do as well. He'll lead you into a life of abundance. He'll lead you into a life of adventure. He'll lead you into a life of life. Not survival, but life. I'm going to ask you, there's like, we had a meeting here last night for a bunch of people that came back from Belarus. It was 40 people went over there. And talk to anyone who did it. Every one of them will tell you it was an adventure. Everyone will tell you who's been involved in any of them trips over the last 12 years. They were adventures. There's, there's a gang of people gone from Liberty yesterday or Friday to Lesotho in Africa. Don't tell me that's not an adventure. Don't tell me if they hadn't met Jesus, they'd be gone to Lesotho, because they wouldn't. That's the difference God made in their life. Just, just one tangible look of a difference. There's a destiny that we were made for. And the best way to get there is being filled with the Holy Spirit and letting them bring you to that place. And he will give you the power that you need to live. So again, as I bring this to a close, what do you need power for? Now, we don't have any fancy music and we don't have any emotional stuff to twinge on. But I will ask you just to close your eyes for two seconds. And that's only purely to respect the people beside you. I won't let them rob your handbag so you'll be safe. I'll keep an eye on them. I know you're in Crumlin and now. But trust me for a minute and just close your eyes. Just respect the people around you. For a start, if you're in the room and you don't know this Jesus that I'm talking about, and you don't, you're not sure if you're even part of his family or connected with him, going to ask you just if you'd like to be connected with him, if you'd like to know him. If you want to stick your hand up in the air for a second, then I'll pray for you. And then secondly, if you want this Holy Spirit or you want more of it, then I'm going to ask you again, just stick your hand up in the air for a second. We're back down again. And we're going to pray. There's a thing in the scripture where it talks about people laying hands on people. And if you want that, you can come up here after when the service is over and I'll sit and pray with people and we lay hands on for the baptism in the spirit. This is Pentecost. This is the power of God that we believe in. Because I want to tell you something. I'm not interested in following a God that hasn't got any power. I can follow loads of things in this world that hasn't got power. I'm only interested in following the God who has power. And I have witnessed his power change my life for 26 years. And I've witnessed the change of too many other people's lives for that long as well. This is a God of power. And if you want that power in your life, we'll pray for it now. Father, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for everyone in this room. I thank you for the, the, whatever is in them that brought them to this place today to hear about you to experience worship in you in a group. Lord, I pray that your promise would be fulfilled as on the day of Pentecost originally, that your spirit would fall in this place on people's lives. And that those who came in here struggling with whatever they're struggling with, no matter what it is, that they would leave different, that they would leave just filled up with your spirit. 
that they would leave baptized in your power. That doesn't make any sense on a human level. That leaves us doing things that so many times doesn't make sense. But that brings us on a journey of discovery and adventure and destiny. And it brings us on the journey that we were created to live. Lord, I do not know what struggles are going on in people's lives in this room. But I know that you do and that you are the answer to each and every one of them. So right now, Father, I pray your blessing over this congregation. I pray that you would go with them, that your spirit right now would baptize them in power and in fire from on high. And that they would know, leaving this place, they haven't had an encounter with a God who is alive and well and full of power. Let your grace wash over them, Lord God. And I pray this week that love and mercy and blessing will follow them everywhere they go. And that they will know beyond the shadow of a doubt they are loved, accepted, wanted and chosen by you, the creator of the universe. So Father, I bless them in your name. God bless you. Have a great week. Enjoy the sunshine.